This is episode 32 with Nelson Young. You love it. You are great at it. The world needs it. You are paid for it. In this program, we go deep to get answers to essential questions and learn how to develop key skills to live a life that moves you. This is the Beyond the Surface podcast. My guest today is a brand marketing strategist and lifestyle influencer. Nelson has over 100,000 followers on Instagram and companies like Delta Airlines, Stella, Lexus, and many luxury hotels and restaurants partner with Nelson to promote their brands. In this episode, I asked Nelson to take me behind the scenes of his social media influencer business, how he got started, his best practices to gain new followers and increase engagement, and how he gets new ad partners and what it's like to live the life of an influencer. Nelson, we are live. Thank you so much for joining me in what I would say is very plain compared to all the pictures that I've been seeing <laughs> in your you, Instagram Alonzo. account. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. And you're still uh, living around Kirkland? Yeah. Oh, all right, nice. And how was the drive here? Uh, not bad, but a lot of traffic uh, at the same time. You know, this this region is definitely getting busier. When was the last time that you were in the library? <laughs> oh, this, especially this library, it's been over 10 years. Wow. Yeah, over 10 years. <laughs> Well, uh, one thing I wanted to um, uh, get right into is how, how do you explain to people when they ask you, what do you do? I, I usually explain that I am a marketing guy. Uh -huh. And I, you know, that's a very broad strokes, but I uh, you know, kind of just come from this mentality that there's amazing marketers out there, especially in this, in this region, people mm -hmm. who work for Microsoft and Amazon, et cetera. But what I've noticed over the last few years is very many of them don't practice what they preach. They're terrible marketers themselves. Uh, and to me, uh, that's strange that they're, uh, you know, running marketing programs, they're dictating strategy for brands. They're maybe even advising others. They work at an agency, but very few of them practice what they preach. They're a personal trainer that is fatter than their clients. To me, that's very strange. And so uh, I, I've kind of taken, um, you know, I guess the last few years to kind of to get into a practitioner me uh, um, mode, um, to be able to apply uh, tactics and strategies on myself so that I could be just the best that I could be for my clients or for any project that I'm working on. So uh, I kind of dive into that by saying that I'm a marketing director, uh, but I do split my time to create my own content. And mm -hmm. that is where uh, a lot of brands see the ability to partner um, and the desire to partner with me. Uh, and that's really fun because I get to experience um, a form of marketing and to get experienced brands in a very different way. Is your influencer business something that you just kind of do on the side or is it taking more of your time these days? It takes, it takes much more of my time now uh, because I view it as uh, extension of my business. I view it as an extension of my, my personal brand. And, mm -hmm. uh, that's very important because that's a form of advertising for what I do. That's also a form of expression, creativity. And then when it gets to things like travel and it gets to hospitality and it gets to restaurants and it gets to things that are experiential, it's really fun. Mm -hmm. It's not running a marketing program behind a laptop in some cubicle, yeah. in some campus in mm -hmm. on the east side of, of of Seattle, right? Like it's we're talking about being out there, being in front of a camera. It's interacting with marketing directors. Mm -hmm. It's interacting with these brands. It's it's experiencing them. That's mm -hmm. that's what that's uh you know that's what this dimension of marketing brings. You know, I, I stop over your Instagram account over time, and I, I've seen the 
the evolution of your content, right? Yeah. I, I think I used to seeing kind of a diversity of posts. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it seems more, I would say, maybe I'm, it's not the right word to describe it, but it's very corporate. It's very uh, brand-oriented. Like mm-hmm. you can tell there is, like literally you can tag your account very easily, like lifestyle, mm-hmm. luxury. And I haven't seen any posts that I would say they're out of that mm-hmm. box. Yeah. So you make it very easy for, for example, I am a marketer too, to know, oh, okay, this guy, either he is aligned with our brand or not. Like I don't right. have to guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty obvious. So I, would, I wanted to kind of, if you can yeah, walk us back. Great question. You know, walk us back to... A, that point in your life where you kind of pivot your your because it, it really seems like you could almost replicate what you're doing, hire a model, and basically follow the same thing that you're doing because it's right. very thought through. When did you had that switch where now you're really seeing this as a business? Yeah. Well, well, I think that's actually two questions. I think the the um, there is an evolution, and I think that's very important to have an evolution in the content that you're creating. Uh, I think one one view for me was uh, I always viewed Instagram, for example, uh, maybe about four years back to view it viewed it as just an extension of reposting my Facebook photos. Mm-hmm. So I didn't understand how to build an audience. I didn't understand the value of an audience until I started looking at it skeptically and I looked at it where these individuals would create these hundred thousand, you know, individual followings, million, you know, million follower accounts. And, uh, and, but all they were doing is selling, you know, fit tea and they were selling these different, these different, uh, uh, I would say maybe non-significant type of products. Yeah. Um, but, but I just, I, I realized that platforms are unique in terms of how easy it is or how difficult it is to build an audience. And so I was just on Facebook and I viewed Instagram with skepticism, but I also viewed Instagram as, wow, it's growing very fast. The ability to be found via hashtags, it's much easier than being found or discovered on Facebook. Facebook just has this insulation of friends of friends of friends, and it's very difficult to get discovered, very difficult to go viral, mm. right? And so um, just during the season around 2016, the uh, you know this is a period of time where the algorithm was chronological. It's it's much easier to get found in that way, and that's when I decided to dive in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that transition of my my content came about of what is a how do I begin to have a curated approach that is out of my lens. So you know, kind of like tying in your second question of could you just insert a model? The qu- the answer is no. Mm. You can't insert a model because I'm the one creative directing all the photos, right? I'm the one creating and directing the copy and, and everything that goes into that. that. Mm, and so, it. and it ties well with the content that's on my website. So no, you can't put a model because I'm not trying to be a model. Hmm. I'm trying to be the brand. I'm trying to, Got it. I'm trying to bring my audience um, through my lens because everyone's going to have a different experience of a hotel or of a brand and they're going to write it differently. Their copy is going to be different. Their tone's going to be different. Mm. So for me, it aligns as a marketer. I think it aligns as like, how do I get to the, the, the bullet points that I want to speak about that speak to me um, about whether it's a dish, a restaurant, a hotel, um, you know, a consumer product. Right. And so that's why I think the the evolution of influence marketing is going to be less about this pretty face or this individual who's posing next to the thing, this thing and brands are going to be beginning to look at 
content creators as a creative director. This is, we want you to speak authentically about how you feel about this brand and what, what speaks to you, what, and, and so they're going to drill down on that more. And I'm already seeing that. So in one way, when I see your Instagram, they're like high quality reviews, like sponsor high quality reviews for yeah. the things that you believe And some are sponsored and some are not. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but maybe, maybe reviews, not the right term. I would say almost a tour. Tour. You know, we're, I, I view, uh, this direction as being like a miniature Anthony Bourdain. Mm-hmm. Right. The ability to kind of speak through an experience. And to me, like Instagram is such a, gl- it's such a glimpse and I'm, ex- I'm getting to experience more, but I wish I could post more about it. I wish I could share more about it. Uh, and maybe that's for me, my next evolution is to travel with professional photographers or to travel with that side so I can help capture it. So it's not about me being the model. It's about me being the director. Mm-hmm. It's me being the executive chef. So I have to play that role. Yeah for myself, kind of for my lifestyle or however I want to, um, you know, share about those different stories. But it's also about the brands that I'm getting to experience or getting to align with. No, that makes sense. And I think that's a good wake up call too for, for, for people that think that this Instagram, um, business is just about posting pictures with a very expensive camera because mm. you're, you're, you're talking things that make sense even for websites, right? You're putting the copy, the strategy behind yeah. the copy, the oh, direction yeah. of where, who are you going to partner with, who you're not oh, yeah. going to partner it's, with. It's a one man show. It's, like, it's yes. a one man show. I mean, like everything from like the business development side, pitching, right? Coming up with strategy, coming up with, um, maybe I, I want to align with the brand, but I'm going to be heading to this place for travel. You know, it, it's it's coming up with the pitch. It's coming up with signing the contracts. Is making sure you align yes. to that. You're your own project manager. You're your own account manager. You're the creative director. You're mm-hmm. the you're the talent, mm-hmm. right? And you have to be good with accounting. Like it's all this stuff. Yeah. And to me, that's it's running a miniature agency. Now, some people can't. They can't generate that kind of income. That's that's fine, right? But I but for me, what I've realized is I do enjoy selling myself. I do enjoy selling the experience that I've gotten so far. I feel very fortunate over the last couple of years to have aligned and worked with these brands. And a lot of these brands, they're the ones who approached me first. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's crazy. In in a lot of if you were to kind of view that as an agency going out and doing just doing your work, getting that type of organic business development is really hard. Really hard. But being able to be active on Instagram, being able to to, to get discovered that way via hashtags or yeah. other posts or by agencies who have you on their database, this is it's a very interesting world. You know, that's funny because I, I had the impression that most of your clients came through an agency because I didn't really see a big brand reaching out to each influencer yeah. instead of tapping into an agency. I, give me a group of people that I can do for, this campaign for me, with. Right? I would say most of my deal flow as far as uh-huh. campaigns um i would say about 90 of them are organically they're, they they're the ones who contacted me so it's less me business development yeah. so that's 90 10 that's nice and then i would say out of that 90 i would get 60 percent of them are agency so they're they already have the the brand accounts they have the brand experience but to me it's it's uh it doesn't really matter right mm-hmm. it doesn't matter like I'm already getting interviewed by the brand the brand whether it's their marketing you know team etc they're vetting me out I mean, I'm interviewing, right? Yeah. And so I've done also also a testament to that too is having the experience to work with that brand multiple times, which means that you've instilled trust. They 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 like not just yeah. the metrics and the numbers, um, but they're 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 liking the brand alignment. How many of all your all your logos turn into and by logos I mean clients yeah. turn into repeat business? 
How many of them? Like, I guess, well, what's, their, I, what's your retention? Because I mean, I'm sure they're always running campaigns. It's, it's probably right? 25%. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. probably about 25%. Nice. Yeah. Now, w- walk me back to your first client. Like, how did you get that oh. first person who or company who said, hey, I want you yeah. to, I want to pay you so that Very, you post about me? That's your- a great question. <laughs> so, this was, um, I began to, you know, began to, to look aggressively into Instagram around uh, fall of 2016. And so that's when it began to, you know, it really started with uh, hiring a photographer and just getting some content for men's style. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did it really conveniently, cost effectively. And I was just consistent with that. And I began to to view hashtag strategy at the time. And then uh, around spring of 2017, so probably a good six months of doing that, I landed my first brand deal. Uh, and this was a... Did you pursue this deal? I didn't. No, it was an agency uh, that was wanting to highlight Seattle and also wanted to highlight a clothing company, a, a clothing company that I didn't have a ton of experience with. How did they find you? Uh, they found me via Instagram. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. And, and uh, funny enough, budget was, you know, in today's standards, really low for me, but also um, what they asked for. So multiple posts, blog posts, et cetera, the deliverables was something that what it did, it, you know, to me, I... I, I it would be way under budget, but I took it and I took it with the, the understanding too, that this is my, my very first brand deal. And, uh, even though I didn't align hundred percent to the clothing brand, I, I could still make the most out of it. Yeah. And, uh, I also view that as an opportunity to, 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 um, to see their contracts and how all the statement of work works and the process and, uh, you know, be able to really study that and to be able to be good on that side. Cause I think that there are definitely content creators who yeah. hate the business angle. They hate negotiating, of course, yeah. right? They hate like looking at the contract and, and, um, talking with the client, uh, they just want to take photos or they just want to, you know, create Correct. a very Instagram worthy scene. Um, so for me, like, it's also just being well versed on all sides. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, I, I don't know if I necessarily use that as a launching pad, but it was definitely my first sponsored deal. And I, th- I guess it's been over two and a half years of, of, uh, yeah, working out of space ever since. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's normal for for a first deal to later on realize that it was under budget because you know as a marketer you're looking at a new uh, a person who yeah, doesn't yeah. have any previous yeah previous I guess case studies or anything. So you're as a marketer you're taking a risk on that person by saying hey we want to sponsor you and I guess you might, you might as well save some money if you're gonna do that. But then later right. on now somebody comes to your site they land on your website. They see all your the logos that you work with. Yeah, I'm thinking as a marketer where this is like a risk free. Yeah, uh, buying. Yeah. So yeah. I I'm okay paying a little more or maybe a lot more so yeah. that I don't have to end up embarrassed with my boss. I think the landscape has right? changed a lot in the last two to three years. Anyways, there's more budget. There's more maturity over understanding rates, understanding mm-hmm. where to start. So I do think I generally take an approach of. Being able to, to ask for negotiation or ask to negotiate with with uh, any type of brand deal that comes my way, uh, you know, being able to to also juxtapose that against my um, you know my background uh, and mm-hmm. you know having a strong media uh, media kit with your case studies with testimonials with uh, maybe like you know past rates and understanding how you work with brands before and match that up to deliver- deliverables. Uh, you need a you know you need to have a strong case as mm-hmm. far as why you're worth that. Uh, and so there's, there's generally, uh, in the influencer marketing side, especially for Instagram, there's generally a rule of thumb of about $5 CPM to about $12 CPM. That's what I've seen. So what that means is if you have about 50,000 followers, you could charge about $500 a post if you're, 
I would say like a level, you know, A or level B kind of top tier type of content creator. Uh, and what I mean by that too, it depends on your audience, depends on your content. You know, if your content is, you know, half naked photos and um, really bad photography, et cetera, but yeah, you have 50,000 followers, whether they're real or they're not, I don't think you could justify the top range of that price point. You know, it's interesting. One thing I was going to ask you on, on this is, you you built a high quality account as a micro influencer. Yeah. I think that's what you're calling it, which is high engagement. So uh, very clear what your brand is, and I know there is these benchmarks in the market. Yeah. But for example, I there is benchmarks for I, I haven't uh, spent money on influencers, but mm-hmm. I spend money on sponsor webinars. Sure. Benchmark for me would be forty five hundred for a for a sponsor webinar, mm-hmm. but I've seen people who easily charge nine thousand per sure. webinar, right? So, w- as far as where you're at today, because I would I would see you more selling more on value than price, right? Uh, what would what would you say is like an average deal size for you in your influencer business these days? Um, well, I don't want to get into numbers specifically. Um, because and for I, those I think, listening, obviously, yeah, this is going to be dated, right? I, I do think that once again, I think that five to twelve dollars CPM is mm-hmm. understandable. You know, so in, once again, an individual who maybe has fifty thousand followers, they could they if they their quality is high, they could justify that five hundred dollars per post. But if you're selling on value, you have to justify it, and and you can also begin to th- package things together. So. Uh, a sponsored webinar, for example, will depend on a few things. Depends on viewership, depends on your brand, depends on your experience, et cetera. Um, but these post engagements too, it's, it's also not ideal to do one-offs. And, and I think that's where influencer marketing can get a bad rap is by, uh, a lot of the one-off type of hashtag ad type of partnerships and not a brand ambassador deal or mm-hmm. a, a deal that, um, extends over multiple posts or it becomes to be like, you know, you're doing, yeah, maybe you start off with one post as, uh, your, your, uh, your engagement with that brand, but then, um, there's no upsell and there's no reaching back out and saying, yeah, I loved working with you back in spring. I'd love to see if you'd like correct, to partner correct. up in this capacity. I'm, I'm starting video series on this. I'm starting this kind of content on that. Uh, you know, can we chat? And so I do view a lot of that past experience, you know, even something that I've done two, three years ago, uh, with a brand and, um, they're on my Rolodex and my ability now to, to reach back out and say, Hey, you know, just want to check back in and see if there's anything I could do. Cause I, since I, you know, I love the brand and I love working with you guys. No, it makes sense. And now I'm reflecting back on my question. It wouldn't really make sense for you to even give a number because I'm thinking someone with your background, you're not just, you don't just have an Instagram account, but I would, let's say as a marketer, I would also ask you maybe for, hey, give me some help with strategy. Like here's what we're trying to accomplish. So you might add maybe like a strategy package to to your thing. Oh, yeah. I so mean, separating all those things that yeah. kind of overcomplicate a, a, what somebody without your background would be able to charge what would right. be like just the, the purpose part of your package uh per yeah once again so the reason why i don't i uh-huh. don't really want to kind of put that benchmark out mm-hmm. there is because i i do think of myself like an agency got it and so like an agency you don't want to post your prices mm, interesting. because it pegs you to you can't negotiate it pegs you to a certain price point and then it also I can't say it's not a matter of competition knowing what you're charging, but it's it's a it is such a fluid industry. Do you, you know what I mean? But I do think that's where that's where I think the the scale of sort of that five to twelve dollars CPM 
you know, has to do with got it, got engagement it. rate, the number of people that are, you know, number of followers, et cetera, but also has to do with your brand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, by giving me that range, it'll give you some understanding too. Of, okay. You know. Okay. No, that makes sense. Now, I think, uh, I would say a couple of years ago, uh, I think you had like the first, I, I would say it was your, I think it was your bi- biggest media win, which is getting in some show. TV show, it's like a yeah. bachelor, yeah. bachelor show, something like yeah, that. Yeah, NBC like a first dating. dates. Yep, first dates, and I think around that time, uh, you were around like thirty six thousand followers, right? So yeah. twenty seventeen. Yep. Someone looking at that and knowing you just from being in the same city and knowing that you're very active at just going to events and meeting mm-hmm. people and being active on social and now having this big win, you were around. You were kind of at thirty six thousand. Yeah, and yeah. then now these days you're over a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. So I, now I'm seeing this as phase one and phase two. Phase one is Nelson the networker. Now now Nelson building something yeah, else yeah. that it goes beyond you and your local networking. Yeah, and sure. that media extra that you extra push that you got from yeah, that. Yeah, thing. yeah. So what have been your most successful tactics? To oh, gain yeah. followers and get this well, engagement to with this other crowd that you know they yeah. never oh, met I mean, you. It's awareness, right? So if awareness is the the Amer- awareness is the commodity, uh-huh. then if I were to take a look at one intentionality, you know, when it's Nelson the networker, local Bellevue, Seattle, etc. Correct. You know, maybe my follower base was, you know, 10k below. Right. Mm-hmm. It was that sort of range because I didn't view Instagram as such a way to build an audience. But when I began to, I did get reposted on large accounts. I posted two, three times a day. We're talking about 2016, 2017, posting two, three times a day. I had so much content. That's the thing. I had so much content. So it's a consistency in understanding about awareness, right? So you have to post. If you don't post, you don't show up and you don't show up. You're not, nobody knows who you are. Mm -hmm. So that 2017 time, TV show rolls around, get posted in some type of media, et cetera. But just also building on that, but also not also thinking that that's a life-changing type of thing. I'm not on... Um, you know, I'm not on some big, uh, you know, show on HBO. I'm not on some big movie. Correct. But at the same time, awareness building, right? And awareness building, especially with crazy rich Asians and different things that are heading in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I think a lot of individuals who are like, how am I not, you know, growing, et cetera, they're not, they're not viewing Instagram you know, properly. They're not viewing it as a megaphone. They're not viewing it as a way of creating content that adds value. And so they're not posting consistently. They're not engaging. They're not reaching out to individuals, DMing, commenting, liking. They're not spending time on the platform. They're not even responding to people who are commenting on theirs. So that's like, that's not community building at all. Like, and they're also, they're probably also just viewing Instagram as, um, I don't know, a, a, a place to be vain. And that's really, that's a, that's a, there's a real thin line, especially in social media between vanity and self promotion. And I think, and, and so one has to really understand how to navigate that. And I'm always, I'm always checking myself too against where I'm, I'm trying to make sure that in my journey as a marketer and I'm bringing my audience along and I'm bringing my camera along, but I'm, I'm bringing my audience along in this journey that I'm trying to understand that balance of how do you also speak to the authentic values, my story, my story, even well before all these great photos, right? And how to also, balance that? How do I still be relatable, but also still be inspirational and be educational, right? And that's kind of my content. It's, 
I don't maybe completely get it. This still is a journey. This is still very new, but um, I, I want to. I just don't want to make sure that my content is that uh, disjointed. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think being able to have the realness and the authenticity and the, 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 um, the relatability is something that brands like. And they, they, they do want to partner with me because of that. But they also view me because I take good photos because it's, it's relatable. But on, on another end, my content isn't like hashtag travel goals. It's not that crazy. I don't use amazing drone photography and I don't have all these skills. And yeah. I wish, and sometimes I wish I did. But those accounts, their quality is so good, but it feel it feels so unrelatable. It's just so glamorous. It's you know what I mean. It's so hyper edited. It's so it's so nice, but in some so many ways, when I see those accounts, I'm like, I don't think I could follow that person in real life. Like I don't think they're accessible, and I think that's that's the beauty and the challenge of this space. So I'm I'm trying to I'm, I'm if anything I'm I'm trying to be self aware around. How do I create good content but still remain relatable? Because if if I'm not relatable, then this is all for nothing. You know, it, it's funny that you're bringing this up, and I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but I have to do ask you this: the idea of being relatable with the idea of running this almost business account, mm. it, it seems separate to me because I feel like if you were to be relatable, that account may turn into something where it would be maybe too difficult for me as a marketer to say, hey, I want to promote there because right now it's just so consistent. Right. It almost seems like just like only a very small part of Nelson that tells me as someone who's seen your account, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, why would I want to follow Nelson? He has good taste. Like his clothes are like super like high fashion magazine. Mm. It looks great. I mean, I think if I ever wanted to dress super nice how you be the first person I would hey what can I wear <laughs> you right and I know you also spend in in, play, in a really nice hotels mm. some of them they're super luxurious some they're not mm. but you're not in very cheap hotels mm. you know what I mean so uh, my my the value that I will get from the deck from that account would be Nelson has good taste mm. so if I want to try something new I may want to check out one of the spots that he has already mm. kind of pre-tested for me mm. so I don't have a bad experience yeah Especially if I'm paying a whole bunch of money. Right, right, right. Right? That's when it hurts when it hurts the most is when you pay a lot. Right. And the experience sucks. Yeah, yeah. So so that's kinda one of the things that I I, I've uh I wanted to ask you about. You took about being relevant, but you also have these very strict guidelines. I mean it's very easy to see mm-hmm. as a having created content myself, seeing that you you have a very strict parameters on your content right now. Right. What is your personal brand on Instagram? Yeah. Okay, good question. Okay, so I, I'm always wary of, of Instagram because you could take a quick snapshot judgment of somebody, mm-hmm. right? You look at the feed, you're like, yes. these photos all look great. It's restaurants, it's hotels, yes. it's food, it's luxury brands, or it's cars or consumer products. And, you know, every so often you'll see a hashtag ad, you'll see that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to realize too, in a personal brand, you have to read also between the lines. Uh-huh. And that's where the power of captions come in, the mm. written the written side. Yes. And, um you know, I tend to be somebody who spends time on that angle because I want to be thoughtful of, about how I'm also describing my experiences, but also I want to be thoughtful as far as describing my mindset. And the thing about my long-term strategy is this. I think I want somebody to walk away saying, Nelson has good taste. The reason why is to be a good marketer, you also have to give that impression you have good taste. 
Yes. Otherwise, why would I hire you? Mm-hmm. If I'm a brand, why would you be my ambassador or why would you be my marketing strategist in-house mm-hmm. if you don't have good taste? Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's important, right? And it's not also a particular taste. That's why my my taste is also really basic. It's really mm-hmm. basic. Like whether it's my fashion, et cetera, I'm not shouting out large brand names. It's not hype beast this and that. It's relatable. It's basic. And I don't mind that because I'm able to blend in. I'm able to be a chameleon. I'm able to to maneuver my way around that. So there's long-term strategy there. Um, the other thing too is um, I'm I'm also kind of showing off to the ability to think like a marketer. So if anyone, I want to also inspire individuals to think like a marketer. Think like, how am I adding value to individuals? Most times, um, individuals who are uh, uh, they're they're doing this content creation space, they're shooting a photo of their outfit in a restaurant, but they're never describing what's so great about that restaurant. Yeah. They're not adding any value back to that client, yeah. to the restaurant, to the brand, right? It's all about them. Yeah. To me, that's hilarious. It's hilarious. It's mm-hmm. so short-term thinking mm-hmm. because they're not forever going to have that bikini body. Mm-hmm. Not forever, they're not going to have that attention. Yeah. They have very little value add as a marketer. So that's another angle of my personal brand is like making sure that it's not just about me. But it's about who I'm, what I'm touching, you know, how I'm be able to describe that. And then I would say, thirdly, my long-term strategy is this: I do have a story to tell. I'm Asian American. I have, I grew up having a lot of daddy issues. I grew up having a lot of issues that I, I could get into weight loss, all these different things that I can share about. But I also don't want it to be primarily this weep fest, right? Around like, oh my God, this is how I grew up, and this is how I'm walking through it. But I do believe that these are relatable stories. It's the medium for that is much better for me. It's actually video, being mm. able to hear my voice, see this. Mm. It's video. Video also is. It's a dimension of content creation that is more challenging. It's editing. It's having another person shoot you. It's way more. It's way more work than photos. Yeah. Right. And so that's my next evolution of my personal brand is content creation around video, whether I'm shooting yeah. it, I'm showing off my experiences, but also the cameras then focus back on me and I can, I could give the layers and the textures. Nice. So that's why Instagram is a great megaphone, but yes. it's not the best place for this content to reside. Not everyone's mm-hmm. great on video and I'm getting more and more experience into that. Mm-hmm. But I would say this, if you want to capture somebody ears, if you want to capture their ears and their heart, uh huh. You want to get their attention. You have something good to say. I can connect with you emotionally. Man, I get that. I, like you're relatable, and I need a. You know, I'm practicing. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, but you have to attract their eyes first. You have to get their eyes first. Mm-hmm. And on this day and age with mobile phones and and social media, like good quality photos, this is where it begins. Mm-hmm. But where it gets oftentimes confused is this guy's all aesthetic driven. He only cares about looks shallow, superficial. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, that's fine if you want to just judge it on that, but you're not even spending any time to read the copy, to mm-hmm. look at the strategy, to look at the transition, mm, right? Okay. To see where the value add is. It's not all about me. It's about mm. interjecting myself as a creative director in that scene. Nice. Uh, Does that make sense at all? No, yeah, that, that makes sense. And you're they're, they're, they're definitely very thoughtful with your uh, captions. I mean, is mm. the copy is great, no grammar. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's something that I'm picky about. No bad words, as, as something a, like that. I mean, that's, English that's, as a second mm. language. <laughs> People always picked on me, teachers, <laughs> everyone, for any mistakes that I would make, even if everybody else did. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. I hear you. But... Uh, uh, 
I'm sure this uh, a lot of your followers have this question for you. Who who in the world takes your picture? <laughs> it, it's a good question. I mean, it's a combination of professional photographers or it's handing off my camera. So to someone? Yeah, handing my whether a it's stranger? my girlfriend or oh, okay. a stranger. Yeah, and sometimes it is because you but have like, to, they're all they all seem like yeah because it's good quality camera, good lens. It's it's good enough you to, to help even someone. Yeah, who doesn't and you know have to edit it, and obviously not everyone has. The artistic expression or creativity around but you comp tell them. composition, yeah. But you have to give them guidance, and uh, that's okay. why I'm, I'm not taking credit, obviously, for all of that. But it's thoughtful. It's not an iPhone photo. I mean, granted, they can take good photos, but I want the consistency of like the right depth of field and the right look and the right composition. So, if you want to be like a super lean person when it comes to uh, this part of the business, yeah. would you ever think it would be worth to, to, to hire a photographer to follow you around? I, for me, that's, some, that's my, my next phase. Maybe not hire somebody to follow me around, but to really incorporate that type of content. Like, There's lots of partnership abilities of somebody who wants access to brands, wants access to these experiences. Mm. You know, And the thing is, obviously, if you were to hire somebody or to work with somebody who didn't see that value... They're going to be very expensive, and it's not at that point. It's not worth it. Mm -hmm. But you need to partner with somebody who sees the value. And I feel I just feel fortunate over the last couple of years to have this exposure to brand names. Yeah, you know, just significant brand names and really cool hotel experiences. And and I'm like barely even touch the surface. There's so many continents I haven't even visited yet. Do some of these uh, hotel experiences that are non-sponsored that you mm. share, are, are, are these traits that you do with them where like you get the free service oh, yeah. versus... Is oh, that yeah. how that works? Oh, yeah. A lot okay. of it is. But it's a lot of... As you can imagine, it's not that simple. But you know, there able, isn't a form course. that you can just press yeah, and, you know, submit. <laughs> like it's negotiating, it's reaching out, it's getting their attention, yes. and it's building trust. How you're able to fund some of these trips also without having to spend yeah, any money? Yeah, absolutely, man. No, that's I mean, great. You know, when you're talking about the life of an influencer, it's not. It definitely isn't all glamorous. You, I mean, I know everybody knows that, but you gotta know that it is. It's a grind. And yeah. I am my own agency. Like, I think anybody who's running a sustainable or sustaining yeah. themselves, there is definitely more work than yeah. what anybody is. Of course. Yeah. It's just that there is more skills than you would yeah. even realize. I, it's just that for the compared to the traditional marketer of the last 20, 30, 40 years, this day and age, especially if you're, you know, looking aggressively on social, like you're it's way more visible. These are pieces of it that's much yeah. more visible. Now uh, going back getting really tactical. Yeah. Uh, going from super networker following 36,000 to now influencer 100,000. Right. At least that's how I'm separating sure. those in yeah. my mind. Uh, what have been your most successful tactics? Like, the, I'm talking really specific steps to like gain yeah. following. Have you done anything different to gain more followers and engage and create those comments? Because, the, right? There's, I think, if anything, there's just no best practices. Up that I can mention other than what I've mentioned before. It's really like you have to post consistently. You have to post at the right times. You have to make sure your content adds value. You're interacting with others. You're engaging with others. You're engaging back. And just keep that up. Yeah, keeping it up. And to me, also the fortunate aspect of brand partnerships too is it gives credibility. Like every single brand that you work with and you do a good job on is a case study and a, and a, and a, a case for future brand work. And so, and I think that does go in line with also building a following because you're becoming an exemplary individual in this space. It's just strange. It's kind of like, if anything, it's like NBA stars when they begin to get endorsements and they begin to get championships and they get to add yeah. accolades. Well, you start getting momentum. Yeah. Right. And, and I think in this space, 
there are people who definitely do fake sponsorship deals. They they create content that makes it look like an ad and all that. That's if they want to hustle like that, that's fine. I'm not going to hate on that. But if if they don't have a marketing mindset to really build that out, especially in the long term, then it's just pointless. Now, I'm seeing you here in person today. You seem like a very happy guy, very balanced. I mean, if somebody doubts it, then you have me as your witness. <laughs> Why would anybody <laughs> and doubt that's that? Actually, uh, here's where I'm coming with that. Yeah, sure. um, you know, it, there is uh, the psychological effects on social media. There oh, is right. no. There, there, this is a big. This is something that I, a topic that is uh, often on on the web. People writing about it. Yeah. Especially, they're saying there is a rise of anxiety and depression. Oh, yeah, of with People who, whether social, whether they're influencers or whether their job requires them to be in front of social media a lot, right? Has that, has that, has this ever impacted you in any way? Have you had a similar experience? And if you did, how have you overcome right. it? I think, I think you're right. You know, to to repeat what you're saying, I think that absolutely social media can be this best putting your best foot forward. It is, it's tough on a lot of individuals to kind of keep up with the Joneses and compare themselves to others, and yeah. their self esteem and their self worth is definitely reflected. I think. On my end, you know, my goal is never to be a model. My goal isn't to get that type of attention and that type of validity. I, I think if anything, it can be sometimes a bummer when you're seeing other people get wins. Maybe that's wins on cool brand sponsorships and getting paid to travel or getting opportunities to, to, uh, uh, get invited to events and all that. That's, that's cool. And that's, if anything, that's more FOMO than anything. But in reality, my, I think my identity is, that my my personal brand, my story is what's unique to me, and nobody can take that away from me. So if I, as long as I can stay stick to that, it's not a matter of having a six pack. It's not maintaining good looks. It's not all these things, but it's also just maintaining to like the core of who you are, your identity, your vision, being a creative director. That's unique to you, and so I, I'm trying my best every single day to maintain that, to maintain that identity, like. No, you can't take that away from me. You can't take, uh, you can't take what my my vision is and my my curation, my creativity is. And when I view Instagram, I don't. I, it's tough. You know, you run out of poses, you run out of things to do that maybe are necessarily original. But you have to think about like, that's not my my comparison is not to others. I I mean, yeah, I'd love to see what other people are doing. That would be so cool to go to that that uh, foreign country, that city, that hotel, that work with that brand. I also view it as the best is still yet to come and I'm getting some good momentum at, and I, I, I must just, a, I'm, I feel like I'm not even living in a, in a top tier city when it comes to this type of marketing. I'm not living in New York or LA or, um, Paris or London, et cetera. And I'm, I feel like I'm doing pretty, pretty all right. Just living in the Seattle area. Uh, but it's just, it's maintaining that mindset. What right? keeps you here? Even if, if it's not the right place. I, I, opportunity. I think definitely Seattle's a move, uh, you know, city on the move, right? Got it. And I have family out here. Oh, and it's okay. a good foundation. And the ability. You're always traveling anyways. Yeah. And the travel, you know, I did something like 20 trips last year. I think I've done almost 15 trips so far this year, which is crazy because it's like barely even Q3. Mm -hmm. um, and 90 something percent of those trips are social media related. It's hilarious. Like I, I can't even, you know, explain like how hilarious that is when I think about that, like that brands and opportunities have given me the ability to travel and paid for travels and, oh, nice. and, and sponsored these opportunities, you know, and going to cities I haven't been to before. And it's, That's it great. did start with, you know, cities in the U S but it's definitely extending, you know, I'm, 
it's oh, it's a lot, you know, because I'm also planning the trips and I'm planning when I go to Rome in the next month and a half, I have to, you know, what hotels am I working with? Which brands am I working with? And arranging that it's, it's a lot for one person to do all that. Mm -hmm. now, I kind of wanted to re reflect back on some of the things that you said, um, which is, it says one, one of the things that have helped you not be one more number in this rise of anxiety and depression is uh, really spending the time to knowing who you are yeah. and stay stay focused on your vision, mm. right? Uh, is this now getting to, 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 to things is like, is this something that you wrote down? Is this like literally a document that you have that you have like a schedule to kind of, how do you remind yourself of your vision, right? Because I'm, yeah. I'm trying to think is, uh, this is a very, this is, this is advice that probably people have heard before. Right. Now getting into like, the tactical part. How do you reinforce that vision? Do you have do you have yeah. a strategy to do that? Where whether it's a document, a schedule, or something? And I'm asking for this because I wanted yeah. to see if you think that would even be valuable. And how do you do it? How I would do you say the two to four things that I do that I, I can't say it's necessarily different than anybody else, but makes me take a very tactical approach. Is uh, one I'm really good about uh, uh, one capturing past brand deals and work and the progress of that that side of business. So um, what I mean by that is I think very few people document really well, okay, this is the brand deal. This is this is what I created for them. This is the timing of that that one opportunity. Um, and this is uh, uh, this is how much revenue I gained from it, etc. So it's taking a almost an account management approach to previous work and also future work pipeline, et cetera, looking at numbers, making sure that I'm, I'm continuing to build that number. The reason why I take that approach is as a business, you have to be also cognizant of your P&L. You have to be cognizant of uh, your accounting, right? So taking that approach. Number two, um, also just note-taking and almost almost vision casting too, as far as brands I want to work with, uh, hotels I want to work with, countries I want to visit. It's also mapping some of that out. It's also, and that's a ton of content. There's so much, so many hotels to work with and so many cities to visit, right? But that's also something that I kind of take a, a more marketing approach. Um, I'm, I'm also, also keeping track too of my to-do list and uh, making sure that I'm on top of posts I need to deliver and deliverables. And so you have to view that too as almost an extension of your consulting work or your day job. You know, what are your to-dos? What does your calendar look like? Most of your posts are scheduled, right? They're, they're scheduled in a sense that I know when I'm going to post it, but there's also the, uh, the spontaneity too of writing it out and hashtagging and all that stuff. How long, how long would you say do you spend on social these days? I don't know. 20% of my time, 25%. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. And that, I probably that's thanks to the, the fact that you have an strategy. Otherwise, it, it could easily take over your whole day, right? <sighs> Do you comment? Maybe. Do you are like, when you go to a coffee shop and you're waiting for a coffee, yeah. are you like doing social or you're saying, oh, you know what? I'm going to just enjoy this part of the day and then later on, I'm going to see who commented on my post and interact with I think with it's them. a little bit more spontaneous okay. than that, but I'm making sure to spend time on that 100%. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then... <clears throat> And moving on, because we already took a, uh, you already took a step, a, a whole bunch of the questions that I had today, which is great. And, um, now I really wanted to, like, one more question on the, the influencer world is, what would you say are the biggest misconceptions about influencers? 
Maybe just one yeah. that you wanted to clear out other than there is more than just uh, pictures for those who are doing this successfully. I just think that a lot of the conceptions of influencers uh, in that term especially is is true. <laughs> you know, that in some ways it's all about them or uh, you know, what is true too is that it's short-sighted. You know, mm -hmm. that it's, you know, whether they are, uh, they're creating content that is once again, aiming them to be this, you know, style expert or lifestyle expert. And yeah. I just, I don't know. I just think if you don't have the mentality, if you're not an established brand before social media, uh, if you're not creating content that adds value to your community somehow, and also when you're getting to a point too, where you're, you're, um, I guess your personal brand is also helped tremendously either funded or by the partnerships of, of, um, consumer product brands, hospitality, restaurants, et cetera. That's not all part of that. Um, if you're not thinking like a marketer, I, I just think that's a big disadvantage. And I just want to say, I think one misconception though, is that, um, people, some, some will bundle everybody up and say, it's all about narcissism. It's all about entitlement. But in reality too, if you are a marketer and you're not on social and you're not practicing what you preach and you're not allowing yourself to be branded as a creative director, I think you're really missing out. Hmm. And I'm just in this journey that is nowhere near perfect. And I don't, I don't oftentimes know what I'm doing, but I'm taking one step in front of the other of and course. I'm posting consistently. And even the times like I'm just overwhelming myself with so much content that I'm like weeks. I'm, I'm if anything, I have a week, weeks of backlog of content to push out. And that's not a bad thing. Like, yeah. if anything, I'm almost like a magazine that has to continue to, like, create the editorial and to do it. It's just, I mean, Alonzo, if anything, man, like, to look at it short term, it's, it's still a rather misunderstood side of the social media world. I mean, social media in general is still really misunderstood. But, like, you just, I, I just view it as this, like, that I have a valuable story in, in many different ways. I'm tactical about how I'm sharing it. And um, I don't, once again, I, I temper that by saying I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm taking one step in front of the other. And I feel so fortunate to partner with brands. And when I, when I was at, in corporate America working at a tech firm and I'm sitting behind a cubicle, not even a cubicle, like a, a hoteling desk, and I'm asking myself, like, what am I doing here? I'm a, I'm, I'm a marketer. I'm creative. I want to work with sexy brands. I want to do some cool stuff. Yeah. But I'm just working with this in the in the, the the confines of this tech giant where I'm not able to be who I am. Mm. Like I I would exam I would compare this to being like and and this is not offense to anybody, but like I'm not a line cook at like the Hyatt Regency, like in some random city. Like yeah. I'm an executive chef of my own restaurant. Yes. And I'm making killer food and maybe one day I'll get Michelin rated or whatever, right? But like some of these individuals are like they're in this world and they're still line cooks. They're never they they, they you got to make a jump. And so I and way, I feel lucky to make in, that jump. In one way what you're saying is there's nothing wrong with being a line cook, mm. but you have to push yourself to make that next step. But if you also feel like you're an executive chef and you want to be on chef's table and you want to be crushing it and you're still a line cook, you're not making that move, like that's on you. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah. my transition. Now, that's something that I got also from you from the last things that you said is if I had to highlight 
one thing that I that you mentioned and that I've seen other people who are very successful in whatever they're they're doing is they're really good. Forget the the, the copying all the skill the skills following through and being consistent. Mm. That's just such an underrated skill that if you have the consistency, everything else just happens. Yeah. You become better at what you do. And yeah. But you're also able to say, this is how we've been able to, exactly. to get here. Exactly. And I'm like, I mean, my numbers and, and brain, whatever that is, like it's still minuscule compared. It's just, it is. But I feel very fortunate. And I could also say like the reason why I feel like I can continue to build on this too is that I don't really like my identity is not in the numbers. My identity is not in my engagement rate. My identity is not necessarily even the quality of my photos, but it's like that I just am becoming more Nelson than ever. And before I just was no pun intended half Nelson. I wasn't there. Yeah. I was not, I was not alive. Yeah. And the end all be all career is not being a content creator, social media influence. That's a terrible term. You just want to feel alive, but I'm, something a, that you're I'm passionate a marketer. About. Yeah. This might, I might, in what I'm doing, I might land a consulting gig that turns me into like a CMO of a company one day, or I partner with, you know, somebody who's in operations or in product and develop this killer product. And that, that's what makes me millions one day. Who knows? Yeah. But like, in order to gain attention to get there, social media is the platform. It's okay. just the platform for today. Well, Norman, this... Is that helpful? This is being very helpful, Nelson. And uh, we're going to wrap up here with a series of rapid-fire questions. Sure. I think we have around eight minutes before I get kicked out here yeah. from the library. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what's your morning routine like? Uh, checking emails, cooking. Um, if I'm working from home, you know, just being able to, to react and create. That's really my routine. One word, one word that best describes how you work. Uh, I think, if anything, it's uh, it is a combination of re reactive and proactive. Reactive. But I'm I'm always thinking about like aesthetics. I'm thinking about delivering a good quality content. Um, I'm I don't know. I'm just I'm always thinking about if I'm the client, am I'm the marketer? How is this also? Um, how is good quality also reflecting back on KPIs and actual metrics as well? Okay, so I would say probably reactive and thoughtful. Yeah, maybe. Sure. Um, and then a current computer. Current computer? Uh, it's a laptop. Uh, it's Windows. Brand? Uh, Asus. Asus. Yeah. They just got a free. <laughs> yeah, right? No, it's a free shot. Great battery life, really cost effective. <laughs> they better send you a free one. Yeah, after this. I okay. <laughs> current mobile device? Uh, yeah, Apple. Uh, okay. Tennis, yeah. Uh, apps, w whether mobile or desktop, uh, software tools that you can't live without. Just one. Maybe, no, to keep I it short. Mean, Instagram, of course. <laughs> okay, makes sense. Whatever they think, are you better at than most people? I don't even know. Um, I think, if anything... Yeah, I don't know how to answer that. I, I think I, I'm, I, I, you have a really good. Taste. No, I don't know about that, but I think I think it's still that's still a work in progress. But I think if anything, just being a marketer who is trying to work on practicing what he's preaching. All right, what's your workspace setup like? Uh, I have a, a two bedroom spot, um, and I sometimes I have a I actually had converted one of the bedrooms to a home office nice. uh, studio and uh, has a you know TV and and uh, desk setup and, and all that and then I also uh, 
work from my kitchen island, uh, and I got my TV, my big screen TV on, and I just. I don't know, just where I am. And then if I'm working remote, sometimes I'll be at my clients or I'll yeah. be uh, at a restaurant and I'll have my, my computer set up. Best time saving life hack? Oh, good question. Um, time saving, okay. I, wouldn't, I don't know about a life hack, but I would say uh, just sticking with certain things that I like to cook at home. So that helps save time. Mm. Doesn't, I don't have to necessarily think too much about what I'm going to be creating or whatever, even though I love to do home cooking. Um, but one thing uh, on a marketing side of things, I think one definitely life hack too is um, do your hashtag research ahead of time, uh, store it in your, in your notes, um, either use shortcuts or whatever, and uh, have a lot of that prepared. There's a lot of different tactics around like, how do I do my hashtag research and all that? Um, because that's a great way to still get discovered. And so having a lot of that pre-saved and ready to be cut and pasted, that's also really important. Nice. Uh, favorite way to keep track of your to-dos? Uh, calendar you know, is one thing. And then uh, I also use OneNote a lot. So it's making sure that I'm just on that every single day and, and tracking. What are you currently reading or listening to? I mean, I, I consume a lot of Gary Vee, right? Mm. And I consume a lot of that content. And I also consume a lot of content in content creation. Like, so I pay attention to uh, actually like hybrid shooter, a uh, hybrid video photographer, um, you know, YouTube accounts like Jason Vong, where uh, he's, you know, teaching great tactics um, on creating better content, how to use gimbals, how to use the camera better, uh, how to edit better, um, but also, um, you know, hacks on, on uh, understanding lenses and some of the gear better. Hmm. So that helps me be, you know, equally knowledgeable about my tools. Uh, what's your sleep routine like? I tend to sleep later. So I'm, I tend to be, you know, somebody who's like 1, 1 a.m. to 7 a.m., 1 a.m. to 8 a.m., depending okay. on my, you know, depending on my schedule. What do you do when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused? You know, I don't know. I feel like I've been through enough rock bottoms in life and stressful situations that um, sometimes I just learn to power through it and just wake up and go through it and know that it's always, it's going to be okay. But I also realized too that surrounding yourself with positive people, consuming good content, um, uh, if anything, like uh, just have good balance of, you know, eating, sleeping, and and sometimes to travel and sometimes the ability to get out is important. Okay. But I, d I do think it comes down to community. Last three years, what have you become better at saying no to? I think... If anything, once again, being around negative people and saying no to that, okay. I think if anything, uh, how I'm spending my time and uh, being, I think whether it is, uh, maybe it's networking events that I would attend that may have not been able to add value to me or vice versa uh, is one thing. And then just also like envisioning where I want my, my content to go and where I want my life experiences to go and then just going for it. Nice. And then in the past, I just didn't know how to do that. And last one uh, on this of the rapid fire is something that, well, it's the second last one, something that most people don't know about you. I do think that people who are meeting me or seeing my content for the first time in the last couple of years, they didn't know that I lost a lot of weight or they didn't know where I grew up or they didn't know some of these stories. Mm -hmm. So um, I try to, if anything, I try to interject that into my content every so often. But once again, like Instagram isn't my end all be all. And so 
my journey into co video content and other types of content is going to be able to be a better platform for that. Um, <clears throat> where where can people find you? Like you're on Instagram, you're on LinkedIn. Is there any other preferred way for people that you that you like that you prefer for people to contact you if somebody's uh, not interested? Not necessarily. In I mean, video? website nelsonyoung.com, a little bit more of a portfolio than a blog. Okay. Uh, and uh, obviously my Instagram at nelson underscore yong. Okay. Um, on LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah. I'll put those all in the show notes. Yeah, appreciate for it. Those who are interested in connecting with you. And uh, last question, and uh, you can take your time for this one. Uh, It's very deep. <laughs> Today was your last day on earth. Mm -hmm. And everything you've created was all to disappear. All your posts on Instagrams are gone. Mm -hmm. You don't have an Instagram account, anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no brands, nothing that you work with. Um, what, what would you leave your loved ones and the world behind? Uh, but you could leave your loved ones and the world behind with three truths about life. What would yeah. those be? I think one is that uh, one you know, core value myself is I, I love to make dull things shiny again. So I think that there is always this transformation power that people can go through and to be around individuals that can show uh, what it means to be, you know, uh, shiny again. And just some, you know, and so uh, I, I like to do that with brands, but I also been through it myself. So that's, that's a, there's a value there um, too. I'm, I'm a bridge. I mean, I'm just, I love to bridge generations, bridge cultures, being Asian American too. Uh, there's something about that. And so I, being a middle child, I just love to, to be a peacemaker and I love to see everybody happy. And, and there's that, you know, uh, but I would say thoroughly too. And for me, this is really important is the legacy of family and the legacy of, of, um, of these deep emotional, spiritual, you know, um, you know, truth about family and about community. And I'm a community builder. I just don't like people being isolated. And, uh, I think, That's something that I will continue to work on. But I think that's a value that I bring. And that's actually a value that isn't always translated on something like social media. Hmm. So I would say three truths is uh, you, you'll do better off if you look for ways to make dull, dull things dull shiny, things again. shiny yeah. again. And always be a bridge connecting people and right. building communities and, no, and never forget about the family. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think if anything too, you know, if I... If anything, if I, you know, were not to be here tomorrow, it's, it is the best is yet to come. It's this attitude. It's just a, it's just a, a knowing too that you could go through rock bottoms and you have to share them. This is my process of being able to share it is, is what I'm doing today. Like that, that I've been through rock bottoms and I've been to really tough times and I'll continue to. But I just know that I've survived them and I'm better for it and I'm, I'm, I'm weathered because of it. But at the same time, that, that there are people out there that are going currently through those rock bottoms. And if you don't share your story, sometimes their lives depend on it. So it's really important to share it. Hey, Nelson, this was great. Um, thank yeah, you so much. Appreciate it for the time. Yeah, appreciate the time and the opportunity, Alonzo. And that was my interview with Nelson John. A couple of quick announcements before you leave. For reference, you can access these episode's notes alongside other resources at bit.ly slash BTS EP032. Again, that's bit.ly slash BTS EP032. Finally, if you enjoyed listening to this interview, the best way to support this podcast is by leaving a review in your podcast app. Thank you for tuning in and remember to live a life that moves you. <laughs>